So I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but my dog Malcolm's daycare is across the street from my gym, which you do you know. I know that. you know that. Yeah. What you don't know is that I, I made a promise slash rule for myself that if I do go to the gym, I get to have some delicious coffee afterwards. Oh, nice. Yeah. I thought that'd be a stronger motivator than it is. Mm. Anyway, that's my way of saying I did not go to the gym today and instead just waved goodbye to the gym as I dropped my dog off. My issue has been recently that I will if I do get up at my 6.30 alarm to go downstairs and run on the treadmill, mm-hmm. I've learned if I go down and walk on the treadmill, sometimes the couch behind the treadmill can sing a little siren song to me. And then <laughs> in full gear, I've got my knee sleeve on. I've got like my full sneakers. I will just lay down on the couch and nap. I will go to like wake up, get up, get ready, and nap. Instead of working out? Oh, yeah, instead of working out. And then I, then, uh oh, it's 8 a.m. Now I have to work. Like it is such a shame. And I will, that is all right. So we can open up with my most shameful thing. That is my most shameful (laughs) thing that I do. So, hi, world. See, see, the barrier for me, weirdly among most things, is like getting dressed, which I took your tip you gave me years ago of like, go to sleep in the clothes, just go to sleep and get up and go. Mm-hmm. And I actually I thought that was my biggest barrier. And now that it's like, okay, I'm in the car, I'm dropping my dog off across the street, I'm fully dressed to go to the gym. And I'm just going to turn and go home. No, that's it's it's that for me, except it's turn and go to couch like I am ready to go. It's just the couch is there. But but I think the real thing is, I usually my temptation is I have a really exciting show to watch. When, and I can mm, only right. watch it when I'm on the treadmill. And I've been watching, as many of our friends know, the original Spider-Man movies. And the third one really has been that – it's been hard. Yeah. It's been hard. It's I, not a great <laughs> film. <laughs> Listen, I've enjoyed a lot of them. I know they have their quirks, but this one has just – I've been in the midst of Spider-Man 3 for quite a few days now. And I haven't, <laughs> I haven't ripped that bandit off. We're not done. I'm still not done. I think I had 10 minutes left to go and I – couldn't do it today. I think I was very close. I gave up. I, see, that was my thing. That was how I started watching Letter Kenny. The problem was I so really? didn't want to exercise. I've never finished Letter Kenny. Mm. Well, so that's why you need, I feel like, an action show with like cliffhangers where you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen to. Well, I can't think of any action shows right now. <laughs> you know, brain empty, but there's, there's lots of them. Mm-hmm. You've been trying to get me to watch The 100. Oh, the 100 is so bad, but it's so good. It's very good at – I mean, awful, but it's very, very good at like cliffhanger at the end. And you're like, what on earth are they going to do now? It's And it's a blast. Okay. I, I recommend the 100. I do. But be prepared to like have some moments in season one where you are like, are you – Casey, are you sure? Yes, I am. There's going to be a big – thing at the end of season kind of like the good place there's gonna be a big thing at the end of season one where you're gonna be like oh my gosh i've got to watch season two and then that's mm-hmm, that's all I'm if gonna i say. could get every single one of our listeners to watch the good place i feel like i'll have succeeded in life good place is phenomenal i just rewatched the entire series good for you i can't it makes me cry oh oh except for the last like few episodes i couldn't do it I, it's a very funny, funny, creative, well-written show. But yeah. the, you know, as with the most finales. The last episodes are beautiful. They're yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You and I both just have that thing where we don't like to feel feelings. No, I don't. Why would I ever want that? I No, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, everyone. So if you haven't noticed by now, the voice that you're hearing opposite me is not Rowan. She Mm -mm. is out this week recuperating from some medical things. Nothing serious. But if you want to send her some love and well wishes, I know she'd really appreciate it. So I am your co-host, Tracy Harrison. And I'm Casey Rofsky. (laughs) Was that not normal? (laughs) That was very normal. That was good. I'm just excited to be here with you. Happy to be here. (laughs) Happy to have you, Casey. Happy to have everyone listening. And this is Willing and Fable, the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. Which, fun fact, Casey, as someone who has listened to this show, you know that Rowan always says that, and those words sound weird in my mouth. You you sounded natural. It was very good. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Do you want to read this next part? Oh, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) I can, I can try. <laughs> uh, and if you'd like to support Rowan and Tracy and <laughs> me, the, the star of the show, uh, you can please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It's a big help. You can also shop their fun merch at willingandfable.com, or you can enjoy their secret Discord and become a patron on patreon.com slash willingandfable. Or you can send in the weirdest D&D character you've ever heard of because they're insanely curious. No matter what you do, know that they and I, the star of the show, appreciate you. Good job, Casey. Thank <laughs> that you. Was very well done. Um, I added in that little weirdest D&D character thing for you um, so that you can enjoy everyone's strange D&D characters. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> for those who don't know, Casey is a dungeon master yes. in a very fun D&D campaign that we're running. Aww. She actually, we wrapped up her first we campaign. Did. That was three years it Could long? have been four. It could have been four years. It might have been three. It might have been three. Could have been four. <laughs> <laughs> we started the new one. I'm very excited for you guys. Oh, I almost just spoiled it. Oh, my God. I almost just dropped <laughs> such a big No, reveal. what are you excited for? Tell me. I what absolutely is, what is cannot tell you. They're about to go. Well, we're going to start, as as everyone knows, spooky season. Mm-hmm. So they're, you guys are going to go through a very spooky mansion. I'm very excited for mm-hmm. that. Before we get into the full topic of today's episode, I want to thank our newest patrons, Barb P., Savannah U., and Matt B. Thank you for joining our Willing and Fable Not a Cult uh, we are not a cult for legal reasons and tax purposes, but we still welcome you to the Willing and Fable family. So, Casey, why don't you just give a little uh, introduction of yourself? Or would you like to read what you wrote here in your as your self-description? <laughs> yeah, I wrote I shouldn't need any introduction. And then imagine like the... Because I, as we all know, I was the favorite host of, I'm sorry, 2020, out of all of those. <laughs> out of every I, single host. I remember it was you Casey. guys sent out a poll and then didn't tell them the results because it was kind of embarrassing that I won it after being <laughs> the only one episode. Listen, I mean, you're my favorite host of 2020, oh, uh, wow. aside from Rowan, who if she hears this will absolutely murder me. So it goes Rowan, then you, then every other guest we've had, and then and then me. I, 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 it's an honor. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, as last time, I think my introduction was I'm just out here, and that's pretty much it. I'm just kind of a lady in the world, <laughs> gallivanting <laughs> along this this little ride we call life. She's so, a modern woman. Yep, living in the in this this crazy, it's crazy place. Time. Ah, but I had brain surgery. So there's a little change. Got a little metal in my noggin. So that that there's a little since the last time you heard from me. Yeah, ooh, she's got character development. Now, yeah, her. it's called it's called character development, gang. I'm fine. 
You're good. You're officially you're officially good. It's been almost a full year since your yeah. diagnosis. Yeah. So it was it was I think I got diagnosed like two days after we recorded or something. So it, it was immediately after mm-hmm. the picture you posted to tell everyone was the picture you took <laughs> in in your Winchester Mystery House sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Look at that. Get a load of that. So so hopefully after this, you'll have absolutely no medical diagnoses. I'll be and... cur- Actually, I'm going to become more of an Adonis. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Every time you record with us, you actually get stronger. Ah, nice. I'm technically invincible. Yeah. Well, I've, I've always said that. So I'm excited to be making my way another ring up the ladder of becoming <laughs> more invincible. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm willing and fable. All right. Casey, would you like to tell everyone what you have brought for us today as your little uh, gift offering, as it were, since we've established I'm somewhat of a demigod? Yeah, so I have an offering. Um, so I think a little while ago, you said, Casey, you're the best. Please, yes, I please, did say on humbled knee. <laughs> Would you like to do a monster? I think it was monster cryptid. and Yeah, just something, something spooky. And so I thought, who, who do we see a lot of once, once a year? We see this fellow all the time, and I don't think he gets enough recognition. I really don't. I think people see him, and they're like, look, there he goes. And then no one goes, but what's his story? Mm -hmm. But how is the Headless Horseman? So that is what people – what is it people always ask? Who is the Headless Horseman? (laughs) Yeah. They go, who is he? But they never ask, how is he? And I'm not going to be answering that today. Instead, I am going to be answering, who is he? But then – we can also speculate on how is he doing, and I think that's up for us to decide. I think yeah. that's what the, really the thesis of this episode is. At the end of it, do we decide how he's doing? Oh, oh yes, we will. Oh Ooh. yes, we will. Okay, <laughs> so I can jump right in, which is like, okay, we see a headless horseman, but what what makes what makes a headless horseman? Mm-hmm. So I broke it down into four basics of what I would consider to be a headless horseman. So number one, you got to be undead. Okay. So you can have an optional history of fighting in your background, but you should be undead. Two is you've got to dress in black clothes. Okay, I have that you've one. Got to look dark. Okay, yes, you do. Uh, mm, not so good on this one. Three, you have to have a horse. Oh, Rowan has that. So Rowan has horse okay. and black clothing. So maybe right. she's a headless horseman. All right. Well, is she undead? You know, our patrons do like to oh. speculate that she is somewhat of a vampire, so... All right, well, then the fourth one, and I'm not so sure she's doing great on this one, you have to have a head, just not where it should be. <laughs> okay. All right, I think that's where she's out. Yeah, I think that one's found. <laughs> what is a human if not just a pre-headless horseman? An, excel- an excellent question. You could be. You could be. Anyone could be a headless horseman. You just got to work on the undead part. Yeah, you just got to try hard enough and believe in yourself. That, I'm sure, will be the the moral of this story. Mm-hmm. So with those four things in mind, I was like, who who in the world would come up with such a haunting uh, character? Well, it turns out folks in the Middle Ages get the credit. Mm-hmm. And when I learned that, I realized I, as a human being, do not know when the Middle Ages were. So do you have any guesses, Tracy? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Middle Ages, yeah. I think... Oh, I, um, okay. It's pre-Renaissance. You're already um, ahead of me there, because I would have no idea when that is. Um, and the, the Renaissance was, I think, like the 1600s, maybe? Sure. So I'm going to guess like 
1300s to 1500s. So you are correct. But <gasps> uh, the Middle Ages is actually an all-encompassing term for the 1,000 years oh, between oh, 500 okay. so, CE and the, the – So you gave me real no chance to fail. Yeah. Well, you got it though. So it's between 500 CE and the 15th century. Um, so when I was looking this up, I was like, well, that doesn't narrow anything down. That's Not at all. <laughs> an incredible <laughs> amount of time. But if we put our little thinking caps on, Tracy, there is a hint of maybe more of a timeline here. Okay. So we're going to start here in Britain. So historians believe that the Arthurian tale of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight was written at the end of the 14th century. And if you aren't familiar with that story, here are the pertinent highlights. Green man on a green horse shows up to King Arthur's round table. He taunts all the knights. Sir Gawain is like, oh, I'm going to take this bait and cuts off the green knight's head. Then mm -hmm. the green knight picks up his head and walks out. Totally fine. So quick clarification. I do not consider this guy to fit the mold of a headless horseman. Yes, he's an undead fighter and he has a horse and his head is in the wrong place. But he's not dressed in black. And more importantly, spoiler alert for this very old story, his headlessness is not permanent. Mm. Right? Ooh, right, right, right. That's, so that's the story he's person. like, you can do whatever you do to me, I get to do to you. And mm -hmm. Wayne's like, cool. And he chops his head off. And the guy's like, all right, see you later. Going to do this to you later. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. And then he picks up his head and he's fine. And then later, his head is on his body. So, hmm, interesting. Um, with, with that in mind... Just just on the noggin. Mm -hmm. Now is as good of a time as any to introduce the bonus element to all of my research, which is that I will be ranking all of these headless horsemen on how hot they are. <laughs> <laughs> what a tasty treat I didn't expect. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So despite not really being a headless horseman, I'm going to let the Green Knight participate in this competition. But unfortunately, he's not hot. Oh, okay. Wait, so, okay. So talk me through the scale. I want to oh, know oh. What, what are the quali qualifications? How do you rank it? It is ranked by me, and that's it. Oh, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some 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 answers here. Which mm -hmm. is the Green Knight gets two pumpkins out of five possible pumpkins on the hotness scale for the following reasons: one, lying isn't hot. He okay. lies in the story. Two, cheating isn't hot. He also cheated. Mm. He's he he lied and he cheated. And three, the movie version made him look really weird. They made him look you like you hated that. I movie. hated it. I hated it. And they made him look like Groot and the Burger King. Oh, like no. combined, it was really, really bad. And they put him up against Dev Patel, which wasn't fair. So no. he just kind of looked worse by comparison. I, I won't go on my rant, but I really, y'all, that movie wasn't made for me. It it weren't. I was so excited about it. And it honestly made me like Dev Patel a little less that he did it. She came out of this movie a changed person. I, yes. I, I can't emphasize how much this movie impacted Casey for it, days. It really broke me. I, I got a headache watching it. It took me days to watch it, <laughs> much like Spider-Man 3. But I, I, I'm giving Spider-Man 3 a thumbs up. This one gets two thumbs down. I did not like it. It might be for you, though. It wasn't, it wasn't made for me, is what I learned. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to being a horseman who loses his head. I do give the Green Knight some credit here. So he does seem to be the first story with a guy exhibiting some of those typical headless horseman traits. So I think the Green Knight started getting the gears turning for the folks in and around 14th century Britain. Okay. Which takes us to a little green country called Ireland, Tracy. So most stories of a headless Hessian horseman are credited to the Irish. Their Ooh. Celtic cryptid is also known as the Dullahan. Yes, the Dullahan I've heard of. Love a good oh, you've heard of him. Oh, yeah. He holds his little head in his hands. 
And by little, I mean normal size. But he holds, he like, huh? am I thinking of a different creature? No, no, he's got it. He's got it. Okay. Um, nice work. Uh, another title he goes by is Far Dorha, which means dark man. Mm. In the various tellings I've seen, the Dualahan is referred to as either a fairy, a ghost, or a ghostly fairy. But Tag no yourself. Matter- I want to be ghost fairy. You can be a ghost fairy. Uh, I- I'm down with ghost. I'll be a ghost. Okay. No, cool. I don't. I want to be a fairy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Roman's a ghost. It's perfect. All right. Oh, great. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Spectacular. But no matter the creature, the story remains constant. Set the scene. Mm-hmm. When the moon shines bright on the rural Irish countryside, the Dulahan roams the mortal world. In one hand, he sports a whip made of a human spine. And in the other, as you noted, he holds his own decapitated head. If you don't give him five out of five pumpkins for hotness, I'm going to be really upset. You might change your tune. The head has an otherworldly glow to it which lights the Doolahan's path as he rides along. And I'm, when still, I'm still on board so far. Okay. Just, there's going to be something <laughs> that's going to change your mind. I really think so. When held up above his body, the head can see vast distances beyond human vision. What exactly he is riding for is up to debate. To come see me. I love him. He's going to have to He's gonna have to ride across the ocean. I believe in him. He's undead. He doesn't need to That's breathe. true. All right, I'll, I'll, hold, I'll hold back any more comments until I find out why I shouldn't like this boy. <laughs> it might be a while. You can feel free to keep, it, keep popping in. When he's not riding just to go see Tracy, there's a few tellings of the Dulahan that describe him as the ghost of a soldier who's searching the battlefield for his lost head. And fewer still speculate that he is Kern Dove, which is a fertility god. Mm-hmm. It, mm. And the, the theory is, as Christianity rose in Ireland, the number of blood sacrifices went down. And so it is said that Kern Dove took to the streets himself to collect. But in most tellings, the Dulahan simply serves as a harbinger of death. He's a man of few words, known only to speak the name of the person who will be the next to die. And if he stops his ride, that marks the spot where someone will soon perish. However, if the Dulahan comes upon you, you are not doomed. The reason he only rides at night is because the sun forces him to take shelter during the day. If you can capture some of that sunlight, you can keep the Dulahan away from you. This is done... With gold. Oh, as everyone knows, gold is solid sunlight. It is. It's solid sunlight. Anyways, according to lore, gold is a major deterrent of the Dulahan. If gold is thrown in the Dulahan's path, he cannot get any closer. Oh. Mm-hmm. So in a kind of interesting development, stories vary in his mode of transportation. So obviously, in most depictions, he rides a single black horse. Mm-hmm. But in some areas of Ireland, he's said to ride a full carriage pulled by six horses. And in these stories, the Dulahan is journeying to specific households. And should a member of the home open the door, a basin of blood is thrown onto them. Oh, my God. Blinding them in at least one eye. <laughs> And another little tidbit is in some of these stories, it said that just looking at the horseman can blind you. So even if you you catch a glimpse of him on his little midnight ride, you could be blind. I'm still I'm still team Dulan. I mean, he's too spicy to be looked upon, but like, Mm -hmm. and he can't talk because the only thing he'll say is your name, and that means you're gonna die. So he's a good listener. No, he's a good listener. He's a good. These are these are great points. Okay. I mean, we already know that you're kind of giving him five out of five pumpkins, but... I am giving him five out of five pumpkins Just so you wait. Just you wait. Okay. 
So there is one main legend of the Dullahan that I could find written down, and that's from a novel compiling, quote, fairy legends and traditions of South Ireland from and before the early 1800s. So this story is aptly titled The Headless Horseman. They kept it very short and sweet. Mm -hmm. It has a few inconsistencies with the typical Dullahan story that I just described. But since this is an official book of Irish legends, I figured they can they they can tell this however they like. This is their story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and stories are meant to change and grow and shift and all that. Oh, they're going to grow and shift. They're going to grow and shift. Uh, So I'm not the best at Irish accents, guys. I'm going to try my darndest here. I'm going to really give it my all. But you're going to quickly see, I think, my main failure as a DM, which is that I can't do them. I can't do them. So no, I, I can't. I, I have like two voices I do. Rowan does all the other accents and I sit there and, and applaud. So uh, depending on how this goes, Rowan might be subbing in for some of these quotes here. And we'll see how it goes. All right. Yeah. In this story, Charlie Colnane is riding on a rainy night, heading home from grocery shopping for his wife. He also happens to be a little bit tipsy. So he had a little bit of fun on this trip. As the storm grows stronger, he suddenly sees a huge white horse head appear in front of him, just sort of trotting along. Charlie squints, and he believes he sees a rider. So he yells out, I'm sold now forever. Which I tried to look up what it meant. And when I searched that quote, literally the only results were from this particular story. So (laughs) from those context clues, I think he's essentially just going like, hey, How's it going? That's the only way I'll greet people from now on. I'm sold now forever. <laughs> I'm sold now forever. <laughs> but despite this lovely greeting, the mm-hmm. mystery rider does not reply. Charlie thinks to himself, ah, this guy must not like the rain or something. So he pushes to catch up. And as he approaches, he realizes the real reason for the rider's silence. It is no head at all he has. He yells it. He exclaims it so loud. I love to imagine this guy monologuing for no one. Oh, it certainly seems like it. It's very fun. So he just, he yells that out. To which the figure this time does reply. And he goes, look again, Charlie Colnane. And at this point, Charlie realizes two things. One, the rider is carrying his own head. And two... This rider is staying in control of a huge horse without using any stirrups. So naturally, Charlie comments on the latter, essentially saying, of course, of course, essentially saying, wow, you are so good at riding horses, which gets no reply. Charlie assumes his new buddy might be a little bit bashful when it comes to flattery. So he tries again and he says, to be sure, that is a brave horse your honor rides. That got the horseman talking. At this point, I think Charlie's flirting. And and that flirt worked. So after chatting a little bit with the horseman after that last little comment, uh, well, despite the horseman kind of being a little passive aggressive in this conversation, (laughs) Charlie then kind of dares him to a race to which the horseman literally replies, try me. He literally replies, try me. He says, try me in this old thing. He's like, try me. People have been people as long as we've been alive. And then they're off, Tracy. It's neck and neck as the two bound through the forest. But in the end, the horseman yields. Oh. Mm-hmm. So despite his loss, the horseman is overjoyed. 
he reveals that he and his horse died years ago, falling down a nearby hill. And since then, they've been seeking out someone daring enough to challenge them to race. The horseman didn't offer the race. I, he's, that, no wonder no one has challenged him. He's just riding around going, look at my head. Like, <laughs> I'm sure Tucking most his hair behind run. his ear like, maybe, <laughs> maybe someone will notice me and ask me to race. Race me? <laughs> Uh, but, well, this time it worked, and Charlie helped him out. So as a thank you, he promises that he and his horse's spirit will bless Charlie in any future races. So it worked out pretty well for him. How often does this dude race? I guess now, now I would never stop racing if I had this this boy's blessing. I'll confess, a lot of this story... I had some trouble understanding. So there may have been some terminology at the beginning that was establishing him as some sort of gambler racer. It basically, mm. the beginning was kind of introducing you to Charlie and just saying, this guy loves a good time. Like They're like, this guy gotcha. is all around fun. Everybody loves him. At least that's the impression I got. So there might have been some kind of term for being a racer that I missed. But nonetheless, if he does choose now to have a life of a racer, he, he's going to be pretty set. So this is a happy ending, which is surprising for most of the Irish stories around the Dullahan. But unfortunately, Tracy, mm-hmm. I have to give him one out of 10 pumpkins on the <gasps> hotness scale. And I betrayal. left, here is why I left this out. But the Dullahan's face is commonly described as melting off his head like rotting cheese. And in this particular story, his head is described as, quote, a large cream cheese with, quote, a huge mouth stretched from ear to ear. So, in my opinion, not hot. He's got cheese face. That That's disappointing. Rotting cheese face. I would say hot in personality, not in face. Well, here's what I'll say. Charlie gets four out of five pumpkins on the hotness scale for having extreme himbo energy. So, this gave mm-hmm. the Dulahan a bonus point. Otherwise, they would have given him a zero. So really? the one The one was me being generous, yes. I think he deserves at least a two. I mean, he didn't lie. He was that's very true. nice. Like if you if you deduced nice. earlier because lying wasn't hot and cheating That's wasn't true. hot, he didn't lie and he didn't cheat. I guess in this particular example, in this particular horseman story, I'll give him a two. But I think the Dullahan as a whole gets. I'm going to say a zero. Then I'll let you have that because I'll I'll give I'll give the Dullahan. Okay. I'm taking one away for cheese face. I'm giving him four out of five pumpkins. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> wait until you meet our other horseman, Tracy. You might you might Ooh. find yourself. I might be giving them all five out of five pumpkins. Excited to give out pumpkins, yeah. <laughs> all right, so I do briefly want to give a bit of credit to Germany and and a little bit India here as well. So the Grimm brothers of Germany actually do have a story involving a headless horseman. But Germany doesn't have an entire kind of famous monster legend to go around with it. So they don't get as much credit, but I still wanted to include them. So the Grimm brothers story is short and sweet. In this tale, a woman is collecting acorns by herself in the woods. Several blasts from a hunting horn echoed through the surrounding hill. She looked up to see a dark cloaked man on a horse, headless. He passed by her without a word. And despite being frightened, the woman was apparently still able to complete her task of picking up acorns and went home that evening. Days later, she went to collect more acorns and she found herself once more accompanied by the headless man. This time, he held his head, which had curly brown hair, under his arm. And instead of blowing a horn in her ear again, he asked her if she had permission to take these acorns. She responded that the foresters are very kind to the poor like her, and she's praying for forgiveness. 
This triggered the horseman's tragic backstory monologue, and he revealed <laughs> that his name is Hans Jagen Tufel, and that he lived a life of wickedness. He was unkind to the poor, and now he is cursed as an evil spirit. Ooh. And that's literally the end of the story. Oh. <laughs> yep. It's not very eventful, and I would argue not the Grimm Brothers' best work, I would say. No. No. But it does touch on a type of horseman that is a bit of the opposite of Odulahan. So instead of being a sign of death, some horsemen are here to help. Okay, I love these ones. Okay, yes. I, I love these. I love these horsemen. Yeah, these ones are these ones are pretty good. So, for example, in India, there is a headless horseman tale where the horseman is a protector of the innocent. So, in some versions, this horseman is a prince who was mm -hmm. decapitated in battle. In some versions, it's someone who was trying to protect the prince. But in all of them, they're a protector of the innocent. They're trying to save people who have been uh, mistreated. So, those horsemen are pretty good. And kind of similar to that, some of these headless horsemen are warning the living of their misdeeds. So, they don't want others to end up doomed to a cursed fate like they were. This is most common in countries where the criminals were beheaded. Mm. You can't tell what similarities that might have. And if the person was never properly punished for their crimes in life, they were cursed to do so in death. And based on his confession, this was likely the fate of old Hans. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give Hans three out of five pumpkins. He seems like he's trying to be less of a jag. But he isn't quite there yet with, like, blowing horns at people and then not explaining why and then later kind of trying to mm -hmm. maybe halfway be like, hey, don't take acorns, and instead just <laughs> bemoaning his life. Um, but at least his hair seems nice and his face isn't made out of Jarlsberg. Okay. All right. So, so far we've had a, what, a two out of five? Was it the first one? You gave him a two out of five. Oh. No, the I very first him. one. The Green Knight. Oh, oh, God. Yeah, did I get – oh, my God. Did I give him a two out of five? He should have gotten lower, honestly. Yeah, damn. I gave him a two out of five. Wow. Yeah. Feeling right, generous gets, then. Yeah, no, I'm going to give him back down to a one. So I'm going to say – Okay, all right. So I'm <laughs> curious. Do, does anyone get a five out of five pumpkin? Yeah, so okay, all right. Someone's going to get him. Wow, all right. Yeah, Green Knight, actually, I'm going to mm, – no, he can have his two. He can have his two. Okay, all right. Okay. Cheese face still gets a one in my book, but you can give him a two. Hans gets a three because he had like some semblance of like a human head, it sounded like still. Uh, in my book, Hans gets a four easily. So I'm curious, like I really want to know who this okay. five out of five stud is. Well, let me introduce. <laughs> so we've kind of traveled around uh, Asia and Europe. So now we're finally entering America, mm -hmm. and namely New York. Okay. How was that accent? <laughs> Perfect. Think of that one. Thank you. Uh, so with these grim fairy tales, we've entered the 1800s, and this is where the story you've all been waiting for finally hits the scene, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Mm -hmm. So Sleepy Hollow is a haunted place in general, according to Irving's telling. He speculates that a spell was cast on the town long ago. And he describes in the story, quote, the air leaves its Dutch occupants in a dreamlike state, causing them to be victims of trances or visions. Ooh, mm -hmm. exciting. Well, guess what, Tracy? I mm -hmm. have been to Sleepy Hollow. Ooh, did yeah. you have trances or visions? No. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, no. 
so in, in trying to keep my reputation on this podcast as one where I've been to the place I talk mm -hmm. about, mm -hmm. my family kindly made a Sleepy Hollow pit stop on our way home from a road trip last month. And I, I didn't I didn't feel like I was in a dreamlike state while I was there. No, like, ooh, cool fog rolling in, like autumn vibes, kind of. It was a little cloudy. So I'll give it okay. that. It was mid-August and it was a little cloudy out. So, you know, things things change over the years. Maybe they lost some of their spookiness, but it was a little cloudy. Okay. Okay. So okay, I can okay. give them that. The legend of Sleepy Hollow begins by describing how the town is haunted. On Halloween night, Sleepy Hollow is particularly plagued by spirits. The most dominant spirit of them all, as several characters note, is the Headless Horseman, or as he is sometimes called, the Galloping Hessian. Ooh, okay. In this version, the Horseman is a soldier from the Revolutionary War. Irving decided that ah, being decapitated by regular means is a little bit too lame, so instead, in this story, the Horseman's head has been blown off by a cannon. That doesn't feel like it would really leave any kind of head behind. No, it certainly does not. So, okay. head nowhere to be found. His body was buried at the town church. And nightly, the horseman rises from his grave and rides through the countryside in search of his head. But he always returns by daybreak. Ooh. So, kind of similar to the dual hound a little bit. Mm -hmm. Dual hound isn't really looking for his head, but they've got a similar aversion to the sun. Mm -hmm. They do. They do. Mm -hmm. So other than the Headless Horseman, there's a few prominent characters in Irving's story. And Ichabod Crane is who I think we would describe as our main character. Um, I'm sure you've heard the name Ichabod. Like, that's kind of mm -hmm. the main character. I actually thought Ichabod Crane was the Headless Horseman. So oh. as much well, I know. Don't, don't be embarrassed because I feel like people know Sleepy Hollow. They know Ichabod Crane. They know the Headless Horseman. But the plot of the story is kind of vague there. So... I'm, mm -hmm. I'm here to be at your service, so don't worry. <laughs> Ooh, thank you. My personal tour guide. Yes. So while he's our main character, he's not much of a hero. So he seems like he's an okay schoolmaster in town, but he's very gluttonous and mm. he's also very selfish. So if you've seen Disney's rendition of Sleepy Hollow, they aren't exaggerating with how much this man eats, which I don't have a problem with. I love eating. As you know, I love eating. Mm -hmm. But he mm -hmm. steals food from children. He manipulates women in towns so that he can join in on their dinners. Like, Oh, my God. He's a real sketchy dude. And basically, all he's thinking about is how he can get more food and get more money. Like, he's really not, not a good guy, as you're eating. People like him, generally, in the story. But... He kind of sucks, and he gives really sketchy vibes, which only get worse when he sees Katrina Von Tassel. So mm -hmm. she's a daughter of a rich man in town, and all he can think about is that if he can get her to marry him, he's going to be rich. But too bad for him. Brom Bones also has his eye on Katrina. Bones? Brom Bones? Brom Bones. That's his name. He's... Brom Bones and Brom is a sort of Gaston type where he is the strongest and he's the most beloved guy in town. And him and the Sleepy Hollow Boys are immediately at odds with Ichabod. They do not like him. And they do a few little pranks on Ichabod throughout the story because he's most popular. They're just, they're just little goofs. Little goofs. Yeah, just some little goofs. Uh, but this rivalry culminates in a party held at the Von Tassel estate. And there, folks begin to tell ghost stories. 
Mm-hmm. And Brom takes the stage and tells a story where he encountered the headless horseman himself. And much like our old favorite Charlie, Brom challenged the horseman to a race. Of course he did. Of course <sighs> he did. And Brom was about to win. Much like Charlie, Brom was about to win. But as soon as he came upon the bridge that led to the church, poof, the galloping Hessian disappeared into flames. So this story spooked Ichabod something fierce. And mm-hmm, on top of mm-hmm. that, Katrina rejected him that night. <gasps> I know. Oh. It's really sad that she saw right through him. Petrified, so scared from this story, he started to head home alone in the woods. Except okay. he wasn't alone. Oh, okay. Quickly, Ichabod found himself in the presence of a huge figure on a black horse. A figure that didn't respond when prompted. A figure... With no head. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Remembering Brahm's tale, Ichabod took off for the church. Uh-huh. And in a slightly slapstick chase, Ichabod loses his saddle somehow. The horse keeps <laughs> no. making wrong turns. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Against all odds, Ichabod arrives at the bridge. And Tracy, what do you think? Does Ichabod make it across? I don't know. This goof, I'm not putting my odds on him. <laughs> Well, surprisingly, against all odds, he does indeed make it across the bridge. Oh, good job, my boy. And so happy, from the other side, Ichabod eagerly looks back to see his pursuer burst into flame. But instead, he watched as the horseman grabbed his head from where it was strapped to his saddle and hurled it. Oh, my God. He, oh, yes, he does. He yeeted his own head at Ichabod. He takes the head and he yeets it right at Ichabod and it hits Ichabod square in the face. Oh, no. Hits him right in the face. Oh, yes. This guy does in at no point in the story comes across cool. Ichabod? Oh, no. Not no. even a little bit. Like, there's only one part where they're kind of like, oh, the women in town kind of like him. But it's because he flatters them so you can get to eat at their dinner tables. So, I don't, honestly, I was rooting for the horseman here. Um, and after he's hit in the face with the head, then cut to the morning after... And Ichabod is never seen or heard from again. Oh, so the headless horseman wins. The headless horseman, yeah, he he wins this one. Like, goodbye, Ichabod. That's it. Yeah. So when my family went to Sleepy Hollow, we tried so hard to find the bridge. Right, as I would as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to exist anymore. I took a picture of their sign where it says, like, here's the bridge. But then later, if you go to another historical sign, it's like, Hey, the actual bridge isn't here anymore. Like, so they do kind of, <laughs> they, they kind of try to pull the wool over your eyes a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we did walk over a bridge that did lead to a church and its cemetery. So okay. in spirit, we mm-hmm. were somewhat able to at least follow Ichabod's footsteps a little bit. Um, and the Dutch church that's currently in Sleepy Hollow seems to fit the one in the story. We okay. didn't get close enough to the church to see if it had, like, a historical plaque or anything, but I would assume that this old-looking church that's up on a hill with a cemetery and a river nearby is probably <laughs> Yeah, probably if not the, the place, like, a good inspiration, yes. a good approximation. And it is specifically a Dutch church, and as we learn in the story, Sleepy Hollow is a Dutch town, so mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense. And while we were walking around, we actually did find Washington Irving's grave, which was interesting. But the spookiest part was, like, that there were a bunch of mausoleums all on the property, Mm. which was pretty cool. And I also want to say, don't worry, everyone. They did have donation boxes, and we did donate as a thank you for our visit. Because there is a lot to maintain there. There's, like, 
I'm not surprised. Now, Tracy. Okay. There has been something missing here that I have hinted at throughout all of these stories, something that I believe is integral to what we know as the Headless Horseman. And Irving is the first one to incorporate it, but not directly. So do you have any guesses for what that might be? Is it something that you referenced in the beginning, like one of those four items, or is it something totally different? It's something outside of those four items and something you've talked about as well. Oh, no. <laughs> in this episode or just in general? In this episode. Oh, boy. That you makes said it the more word. embarrassing when I don't remember it. It's not embarrassing. I did this purposely to trick you. <laughs> <laughs> I've always got to have layers to my story. So I was you do. You do. You love a good – it's the same thing with D&D. You love a good twist. You love a good love turn. A you love a good little little hint. Mm. Something that Irving started that's integral to – is it that Ichabod Crane really was the Headless Horseman the whole time? You are you are hauntingly close. Do you want me to okay. put you out of your misery? Yes, please. It's a pumpkin head. <laughs> Where is his iconic jack-o'-lantern pumpkin head? Tracy, where is it? Hmm? So I think this is Irving's greatest contribution to our Headless Horseman lore. So after Ichabod's fateful ride, all that is left behind is his mm -hmm. hat and a shattered pumpkin. But the horseman threw his head at Ichabod, did he not? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, in Irving's stories, it is heavily implied that Ichabod didn't encounter the horseman at all, but instead... It was Brom Bones. You know <gasps> Brom, the super big buff guy who happens to be great at riding horses. And, and just happens to be named Bones. That's just his name. I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> that, that one's for old Irving. He's the one who, who, who kind of laid it down there. But the implication here is that what Ichabod thought was a terrifying head was, in fact, a pumpkin. So we never see the galloping Hessian with a pumpkin in the story. Mm -hmm. The implication of that then impacted most, if not all, modern renditions of the Headless Horseman. Whether he's about to yeet a jack-o'-lantern or he's just riding around with a pumpkin head, many modern depictions aren't actually based on imagery from the Sleepy Hollow story. Instead, they sprung from that final line of, quote, All that was found was the hat of the unfortunate Ichabod, and close beside it, a shattered pumpkin. And that's staying power, baby. Yeah, it is. Wow. Mm -hmm. I had no idea the iconic pumpkin head came from, eh, there's a shattered pumpkin nearby. I, I know. It could have had nothing to do with the story at all. I know. Just, he just fell down next to a shattered pumpkin. And people really, I feel like, like the imagery of like this jack-o'-lantern head. It's a so, good image. I know what you're waiting for, Tracy. I know you specifically have been waiting for this. And I give this headless horseman five out of five hot pumpkins. There is mystery Ooh. around him. Is he real? Is he just a buff guy in a costume? Who knows? And this story finally completes the headless aesthetic by subbing out a creepy cheese ball head with a jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> he's an accomplished athlete. He's a creative thinker. And most importantly, he's a societal influencer. Hot. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I like the tortured soul headless horseman and, and i like that one i like he's got the curly hair he's here to help you out he's like a tortured he's got a tortured past you know like a little bit interesting <laughs> I um i do appreciate this this headless horseman as i well. i appreciate him i i like your your love of hans what was it jagen tufel jagen tufel jagen tufel i got it right yeah, yeah you got it um because i imagine him as like a tween with an air horn uh, just like blowing 
the horn in women's faces and then try to be like, actually, I'm supposed to be helping. But I do like – he is kind of like – he's trying to be on the mend. He is a little – Right. He's trying to be better. So I do I do see the appeal of of Hans. Is he your favorite one so far? I think he – I think he is. Yeah. I think I would I, – I, and I think it's also the, the contrarian in me of like, oh, well, this one's yours, so I'll take Hans. I like Hans. <laughs> Fair enough. That was like me and the Jonas Brothers when I was younger. I was like, I uh, love Didn't you Kevin. get stuck with one you didn't actually like because your course. friends said the others? Yeah. <laughs> we made signs for Kevin though. We all embraced Kevin. Like we all were like, Kevin's got to be our favorite. So sorry to Kevin Jonas. <laughs> I know you listen. Um <laughs> Famously a uh, big fan of this show. Yeah, famous fan of the show. Okay. Tracy, are you ready for my tale? I wrote you a story. Casey, I'm so ready for the story. You've been hyping up this story for a few <laughs> days now. She has specifically <laughs> asked me to interrupt her during the story. Oh, yeah. So we'll see. I might, I may not interrupt so much as I may just burst out laughing. <laughs> well, Knowing I hope, Casey. I hope it's worth it. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Don't – so – I think it's going to become very clear right off the bat that uh, what my inspiration is for this for this particular tale. Okay. All right. Here we go. Are you ready? Ready to get into? I'm so ready. Ready to get into the story. If it was a full moon this morning, I couldn't tell. I've been keeping my head down after the embarrassment that was my first day at Hollow Preparatory School. <laughs> oh no! This is this is either a. <laughs> This is either Twilight and or what is that? My Chemical Romance, oh, Harry yeah. Potter. Oh, yeah. My Immortal. My Immortal inspired. Okay. All the other students think that I'm weird. I could tell that they looked at my slender frame, pale skin, and too shiny hair and thought, <laughs> and thought, there goes Katrina Von Freak. I pushed past the front doors and towards my locker. The most popular guy in school was waiting for there for me. Brom Bones. He happens to be the son of an old family friend. He smiled at me, probably laughing at my two long eyelashes. I immediately pulled up my hoodie and walked the other way. This is just like my old school. I'm a joke here. Oh my god, this is amazing. As I walked to homeroom, I fiddled with the gold chain of my necklace. Nervous habit. It's my mother's locket. I wear it for luck, which is ironic, because mom wasn't very lucky. She went missing when I was younger, and the only thing she left behind was this necklace. I never opened the locket. Mom always said, when the time comes, you'll know. <laughs> the school bell knocked me out of my daydream. There's no point in thinking about luck. It's now. I'm about to be late for my next class. Equestrian prep. I used to be talented in my youth, but now I can barely get my riding boots on. And the worst part, Charlie Doolahan wasn't in homeroom this morning. Or maybe that's the best part. At least I won't embarrass myself in front of him. I exhaled as I finally got to the equestrian center. It wasn't cold, but I could see my breath weird. Miss Von Tassel, if you wouldn't mind joining the rest of us. Yes, Horsemaster Yagen Tufel, I muttered. The mud sloshed around my boots as I scurried to join my classmates. The only horse left was a large, black one with a heavy leather saddle. His name was Gunpowder. The horse's mane was as shiny as my own embarrassingly radiant locks. <laughs> we make quite the pair. I hoisted myself up onto the steed as Yagen Tufel started on the basics of horseback riding. Of course, it was all second nature to me. I allowed my mind to drift to my surroundings. Across from the center was a patch of woods with heavy fog. Curious. I hadn't noticed that area before. The forest looks like it leads to a cliff where paragliding class would take place in the spring. 
hmm, and it looks like it's getting closer. Mm-hmm. It felt like the forest was beckoning to me, drawing me in. Then I came to my senses. My horse had taken off towards the woods, leaving my class behind. Perfect. Now I'd be Katrina von Horse Girl who ran away in the middle of class. We were going so fast I could barely see. Branches whipped around us as we bounded through the oak trees. If I wasn't nervous about the upcoming cliff, it would have been exhilarating. But we were going at full speed towards a cliff, so yeah, not fun. I started to pull on the reins, but Gunpowder seemed to have a mind of his own. Suddenly, I saw a man in the distance blocking our path. It was hard to tell in the fog, but I could recognize that silhouette anywhere. It was Charlie Doolahan. Gunpowder stopped in his tracks. Charlie, thank goodness it's you, I exclaimed, finally climbing off the beast. He didn't respond, but that's not entirely untypical of him. Gunpowder confidently trotted over to where Charlie stood, but something was off about him. He stepped towards Gunpowder. He looked even more daunting than usual standing next to such an impressive steed. Are you afraid? He finally asked, his voice raspy. No, I replied. He climbed up onto the horse, and suddenly, I knew what was going on. It is no head at all he has! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I read, I swear to god, I read that exact story when I was like 11. (laughs) I was really going for it. I think what killed me was the, are you afraid? Like, oh, like. Like leaning over, you're like, are you afraid? Like the twilight energy. Oh, you know, I read, I read some chapters from Twilight because I was like, okay, Jacob is a family friend. We've got to have a love triangle. Mm -hmm. And for me, Mm -hmm. that should be behind Brahm and Charlie, who are the two non-horsemen of this whole story. (laughs) I was like, those guys, I got to throw in some Hans. Hans is now a horse master. And I put in I the gold. I loved it. I loved my Hans appearance. The gold. Oh, in a full version, that locket's gonna, that's gonna play a part. Yeah. So. Someday, when someone writes oh, yeah. this. Yeah, you have some little tasty treats there. Oh, yeah. Oak trees, because they have acorns. I, I, really, I really worked here for this beautiful piece of art. <laughs> yeah. This is a good hint as to, like, the level of detail Casey puts into her campaign. <laughs> you can't – actually, I was going to say you can't overthink things. And then there's times where I'm like, oh, I've overthought this thing. And you're like, yeah, that's not <laughs> what I was doing at all. It could have been. It could have been. Uh, yeah, that's always the response of maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Oh, Casey, that was so good. That was oh, oh, I'm glad you liked it. Delicious, a tasty treat. Oh man, when I read this to myself to try to prepare for this, that Katrina von Horse Girl who ran away in the middle of class, <laughs> that one, I killed myself. I know I'm not a comedian, but for some reason that line that, <laughs> that sprung from my hand, I, someone took me over and wrote that. Some yeah, I that, swear that happens when you're writing, and then you'll read back and <laughs> you're like, "Well, this von is like Horse Girl." Ah. <laughs> uh, I'll make my own merch with that. I was going to say, I need to get you a teacher This is Katrina Von Horse Girl. Do you want it to say Katrina Von Horse Girl or Katrina Von Horse Girl oh, ran away from class? Really get into the mind of Katrina. But, and I know what you're thinking, Casey, that modern Twilight-esque retelling, that, that masterful piece of art was great. It was. But masterful. someone's already done a modern retelling, sort of. They did mm-hmm. a 1999 movie. Tim Burton the made it. Same year as The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of him? Have you ever heard of Tim Burton? Yes, I have, Tracy. I've heard of him. Ooh, you've heard of indie (laughs) underground filmmaker Tim Burton? Not only have I heard of him, Tracy, I even watched the movie. Okay? I watched the 19... she goes deep into research here. (laughs) I watched the 99... Nope. 1999 movie, Sleepy Hollow. And I will say Tim Burton changed it quite a lot. For one, he substantially changed location. 
So I think from the story that that I just told, the main thrilling part is that ride to the church where you're like, is Ichabod going to make it? And then he does. And then we learn that actually doesn't matter. So in this telling, there's a church, but no one really rides the church. And it's not really surrounded by a bridge. It's It's been so long since I've seen this movie. Well, I recommend not watching it. Um, You did send me a couple of Snapchats while you were watching it of of some problematic and interesting moments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So part of that is that Burton's take on Ichabod Crane is very drastically different from Irving's. So for Mm -hmm. one, he has morals. He's in general... A pretty good guy. I, I would call that an improvement. Yeah. He's a forensic lawyer, I think. Like, he he kind of has some criminal science going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and I didn't see him eat a single thing the entire time. He didn't eat one chicken leg whole. Not one. And Does he eat a chicken leg whole in the story? No, he doesn't in the cartoon, though. Oh, in great. I hate cartoon. that. Okay. He's like, um. <laughs> so, there's some ASMR for you. And, uh... While the story, like in the movie, when they tell him the story of the horseman, it did literally leave the Johnny Depp version shaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he still, on the whole, was way more brave than my Ichabod. Okay, so you're claiming Irving's is your Ichabod. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the Ichabod of your heart? Oh, no, he doesn't have my heart. But I do feel like he's the Ridge. He's the OG, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I didn't mention this in the story, but when I named the horse Gunpowder in the Twilight version I tried to write. Yeah. Uh, that is from Sleepy Hollow. So the horse he has in Sleepy Hollow is called Gunpowder. Oh, and another they did, fun Easter egg. Yeah, and they did name Gunpowder the horse in Sleepy Hollow the movie. So good job on that. And I will note that Burton's rendition does have another interesting development on Headless Horseman lore. So in addition to being Headless himself, this mm-hmm. horseman loves to cut off people's heads. Oh, okay. Given a little of what you got. So that's like his mode of killing people, which I think has some kind of Dulahan energy there. Like Mm -hmm. he not only is a harbinger of death, but a bringer of death. That works better in in reading. It's, yeah. It's a good, it's a good, a good text. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, she has this like underlined. Mm-hmm. In in her notes as a little goof. I love that. <laughs> and and even in the movie, they might have a slight nod to the Green Knight. This could be not purposeful, but Katrina Von Tassel in the movie gives Johnny Depp Ichabod a book that she says will protect him from harm. Mm-hmm. And something very similar happens in uh, Going with the Green Knight. So oh. there's a little little touch there. But I – and you're not going to like this. But I need to note that this horseman wasn't hot. They no. – It's – they gave Christopher Walken a troll doll wig and they shaved his teeth into like little sharp teeth, like sharp teeth. And they made him really, really mean. He just loves to cut people's heads off and he cuts a little baby's head off. Okay. This guy can get a zero out of five pumpkins. Yeah. And and he wasn't buried at a church. He was buried originally with his head in the woods. But the head plays a part in the movie. So, okay. But just noting that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, my final gripe is that Brom isn't nearly as big and buff as I think he should be, but he is a big hero, I think. And this okay. is mostly what I sent you Snapchats of. He bravely <laughs> fisticuffs. He bravely fights the Forceman hand-to-hand, man-to-man, while Depp's Ichabod is, like, playing dead in some mud, like, not helping at all. And that that kind of was disappointing. And, I mean, spoiler alert, plug your ears – the horseman kills Brom in this fight. So 
Ichabod could have helped. Ichabod could have helped. So in this version, it seems like Brahm has got strong himbo energy. He, he, well, I think he does. I think he sort of does. The only real introduction we get to him in the movie is Katrina Von Tassel has her, 19-year-old Katrina Von Tassel has her eyes covered and is kind of like dancing around a circle and then whoever she stands in front of, she has to give a kiss. And mm-hmm. Johnny Depp's Ichabod walks in at, what was it, 36 years old? Walks in and she faces him and she gives him a kiss and Brahm's kind of like, what? What? <laughs> and so he hates Johnny Depp from then on, Johnny Depp's Ichabod from then on, but I can't really defend him because he was 31. So there's still a pretty big age gap. So I kind of – I wasn't very happy with Brom yeah. in that. But he was still a hero and he tried to save this family. And um, then he got sliced in half, which really sucked. Um, but they do actually in this movie show the Ichabod being chased by a horseman prank very well. Ooh, so they okay. kind of fool you because you think obviously, uh-oh – that headless body carrying a flaming jack-o'-lantern must be the uh-huh. horseman. But shortly after he throws the flaming jack-o'-lantern at Ichabod, who's like, ah, then he rides off and the sleepy hollow boys get Brahm off of the horse and you see it was a costume. <laughs> so it's just a old-timey goof. Oh, yeah, just a good goof. Uh, but speaking of little jack-o'-lanterns, what do we got next week? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a good segue. Thank Look at you. you go with the transitions. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be talking about the history of jack-o'-lanterns, which was requested specifically from our mythic patrons. Ah. We sent out a poll asking what autumn tales they want. And Casey, do you know what the number one request we actually got from that poll was? Oh, my God. Was it Headless Horseman? It was Headless Horseman. <gasps> oh, my God. Far boy. and away, the number one request. So um, Casey so decided to do the Headless Horseman before we got the results of that poll in, and I wanted to keep that as a tasty little surprise oh. for you. Well, yeah, because I was like, I've, I simply got to get to Sleepy Hollow. Like, I was in uh, Vermont, I think. Maybe mm-hmm. I was in Rhode Island when – I honestly, I don't know where I am at pretty much any given moment. I was in some state up north, <laughs> and they had – they were like, oh, this is the this is the hometown of Washington Irving. So if you know where he's from, that's where I was. And they had a Sleepy Hollow book, and I was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is my monster. <laughs> yeah, because you went through a few iterations. I, I feel so bad. Mm-hmm. She texted me, and she's like, I got it. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to cover Baba Yaga. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, Casey, that episode's coming out tomorrow. Well, because my logic was – because I love I love some wordplay, guys. I'm not sorry about it. But I thought, oh, I'm Casey and I could do the Boogeyman. And Casey and the Sunshine Band does a song called I'm Your Boogeyman. You know? It was purely for that. It was purely so I that could – That was why you – she – the journey she went to try and cover the Boogeyman, unreal. At one point she found a book. Oh, my that God. Was for, it was on, on the Boogeyman mm. selling for $500. It, it – it was insane. I also tried – so maybe one of you brave souls will cover it in the future. I really – guys, I tried to do the werewolf, but – Yeah, I'm thinking of doing werewolf, but I think I'd have to do it in multiple parts, like start oh, with yes. the French story, move on to like other versions. Like it's – or it would have to be a heavy hitter, like two-hour mm-hmm. episode on its own. There's just a lot of lore Oh yes. when it comes to werewolves. There's a lot of lore and there is a lot of non – research books about werewolves so if you try to use your library app to find the history of werewolves good luck is all i can say because <laughs> that is not what i found <laughs> oh yeah and there's like a whole genre of like wasn't history you found some weird i i came upon so many unique things 
while trying to find this, <laughs> trying to figure out who would be my monster. And uh, I'm very happy with the Headless Horseman. I'm, I'm, he's, he's a great, he's sometimes a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. We've got everything from zero to five out of five pumpkins on the hot mm-hmm, scale mm-hmm. for the Headless Horseman. Yeah. Great scale. That was an, it was an excellent, fun little addition. Oh, yeah, good. Sure I'm glad layer. you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun. But clearly it didn't matter much because I was like, didn't I give the Grey Knight Zero out? Like, I just, clearly I didn't remember <laughs> anything. I only knew that I gave the Braum version five. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Braum, Braum goes. I still, I love Hans. Hans is, Hans is my horseman. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I, I, I'm sure he's somewhere riding around and he just kind of put his hand over his heart and he was like, I will ride across the Atlantic Ocean to get to you, Tracy. Yes, he's on his way. Yeah, it takes a while. He's on a horse. Making his way downtown. Is the horse undead too, right? That one, hmm. I don't, I don't think Hans told us how he ended up on a horse. So I just He's assume... just so charismatic and charming. Yeah. It's a seahorse. To... It's a seahorse, yeah. yes. I love it. Seahorse for you. Love that for him. All right, Casey, at the end of each episode, as you know, we do our little Tell Me Something Good segment. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first, Tracy. Okay. Tell me something right. good. Okay. My something good is very simple. As of recording this, it is early days of spooky season. When you're listening to this, we are in the midst of it. And Rowan actually told me about this drink, and it is now the drink that I love. I got one for you. You did. Last week, Casey. It was a lifesaver. It is an iced chai latte with pumpkin cream cold foam from Starbucks. Y'all. It was spectacular. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And if you're me, you can get an extra shot of espresso in there and just get the caffeine really flowing. Um, I didn't do that for yours. Yours was just oh, a, thank you. A, a iced chai latte with pumpkin cream cold foam. Oh, my goodness. It is so delicious. I love my little fall drinks. I've been making <sighs> my own fun little coffees. Oh, it's yummy. Just- Wait, I have mine right here. For viewers, no, not viewers, listeners, I keep my pumpkin caramel scone syrup that we got at Home Goods. Yep. I keep yep. it right here at my desk so I can bring my big thing of coffee upstairs to my office. And then just throughout the day, I just keep topping it off with my delicious pumpkin flavor. <laughs> but it looks kind of like whiskey, I think. If oh, I'm, it does kind of look so like whiskey. So it doesn't look great on calls, but I've told my team, don't worry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> at which point my boss was like maybe it should be like so because oh yeah the best. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep love a good pumpkin spice flavor casey's mm-hmm. my pumpkin spice pal although rowan now has been a pumpkin spice convert oh welcome mm-hmm. yes so hopefully we can get more people to join our club but That's great until then casey why don't you tell me something good i slaved over this tracy i slaved <laughs> over this last time it took me i think several days to come up with paranormal which is still a very good something good very strong very strong this time i took weeks this time <laughs> i took weeks to slave over what what gets to be my something good because you you do it every week this is I my do do it every yeah am i at this point i'm like i don't know i had a nice that literally at one point rowan's was i had a great nap like it's we are just picking and choosing what we can oh, find in oh our yes lives. and and i really i was like what what deserves my my Two minutes of something good. Mm-hmm. My one minute of something good. And you can I've, take you can take as many minutes as you want. Well, right, this won't take me long because mine is very general and it is musicals. Musicals. <laughs> All 
musicals. I think they're good. I think they're fun. I think they take a play, which can be boring and bad. And they're like, you know what? Even if you don't like this, you got to admire the dancing. You got to admire the singing. Mm -hmm. And I love a musical. I love a musical. Tracy knows I was listening to Little Shop of Horrors today. And I was like, I love a musical. And I was like, that's it. That's going to be my one. I, I, Do you have like a few musicals that you're going to recommend for people? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. There's a lot there's a lot of musicals I like. A Little Shop of Horrors is great for spooky season. Mm-hmm. If you are a fan of Tim Burton and Johnny Depp, kind of with Sleepy Hollow, you you probably would like Sweeney Todd. That's another oh, that's another spooky one. Tracy and her, her twin sister Jamie both know. I've recently been getting back into Star Kid Potter, which did a very popular oh, musical yeah. years ago. I've been enjoying those. Uh so there's uh, – listen, man, musicals are fun. If you want to find my Casey's Broadway Faves playlist on Spotify, you can. Oh, we will have that on our recommendations page on our willingandpeople.com oh, website. We will absolutely link. <laughs> Casey, we already have your Zumba playlist oh. linked on our recommendations page. So oh, We've had some bangers lately too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, Casey does great Zumba playlists. <laughs> I can even plug your you got your Zumba videos on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Check me out on YouTube, guys. <laughs> find my my amateur Zumba videos. Yeah, if anyone wants to join, you're welcome to. Everybody's chill. It's, it's such a good time. It's such a good time. I I, I will sometimes do the, the videos you put on YouTube. Oh, yeah? You know, when you're not do hosting you? a session. <sighs> yeah. And and the the thing is in those you constantly are like, Good job. Like you did it, good job. And it's still I I know, objectively I know that I am not on a Zoom call with you. You are not <laughs> seeing what I'm doing. And yet it genuinely oh, gets good. me through the song. Oh, I'm glad. I'm always worried <laughs> that it's annoying people because I'm like, if you're trying to just vibe, sometimes me going like, All right, back to the lunch. Like, like I think that can <laughs> Can maybe take you out of the out of no. I love it. Of, I love oh, the instructions, good. and I love just the genuine like, yay, good job. Sometimes like, it, it's hard, man. You deserve it. Congratulations. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> why did I do this? Like this. Is so that is my favorite part of Zumba is watching Casey realize she's kicking her own ass. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> just like that. Like I'll kick my own ass. Like <laughs> that little chick meme. But yeah. So my something good is just musicals in general. I think. I, I think they're great. I think they're fun. And I'm very grateful to whoever made the first musical. So thank you, madam. Ooh. <laughs> I don't you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Casey some some flat out pumpkin spice lies oh, while did. I was researching for, for next week's episode on jack-o'-lanterns. It was I don't think I've ever done something so chaotic as us both just randomly typing in different places in a Google Docs <laughs> form as at the same time as a means of communicating. Because you could we could understand the flow of the conversation, but if you look at it again, it looks like one mad woman is talking to herself. <laughs> I left it in the dock. I didn't have Good. the heart to get rid of it. All right. So you again, you heard it here. That's how if you're confused in the next episode, it's going to be just because we're reading these nonsensical <laughs> communications we decided to do. It felt very twenty. 10 20 oh. you know 11 energy Ooh. when like they just introduced google docs and you and your friends would literally like type that way to each other oh yes oh definitely it's Thank fun God. To i was so that. afraid i'd say that and you're like i've literally never experienced that in my entire life no no i feel like well maybe it's just us yeah well if it is then uh i'm glad we had that very specific experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. together <laughs> good all right 
So you will hear Casey again next week uh, on our show. So if you liked hearing her this week, get excited for more. And if you didn't, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, feel free to send Rowan all your love mm-hmm. and um, kind thoughts. And thank you so much for joining us. Remember, stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend. Or tell a foe. And uh, we'll see you soon. How'd I do? Did I sound spooky? You sounded so spooky. I'm really scared. Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our music was written and performed by Taylor Ash, and our logo is by Jamie Harrison. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch. Or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. Or a foe. <laughs> is that what it is? Did I get it right? Is that what it says? Yeah, or telephone. Oh, I was really, I did good, but my brain was too slow. Do you want to say it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs>